This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Today on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about an important concept that I call the practicing snowball. Okay, the practicing snowball is something that's going to leave you feeling super encouraged, I believe, by the end of this episode. And it's going to show you how the compounding effects of your practice really come into play from looking at this from a variety of different angles, okay? So, buckle in, let's do this. Jump right into the show. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, where musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. If you've been listening for a long time, thank you so much. Do appreciate it. But if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast listening app you happen to be listening to the show on. Uh, really do appreciate that. If this is your first time listening to the show, Allow me to earn your subscribe before we go on on that. So uh, I think I'll do that for you uh, over the next couple episodes you listen to. So thank you so much for being here. I do appreciate your time. All right. So let's talk about something that is a very simple concept called the practicing snowball. Okay. So the practicing snowball was actually a concept that um, one of my team members, Brett Pontecorvo, taught about in our inner circle membership with a new course we came out with recently called Effective Practicing 101. This is a great course. So if you happen to be an Inner Circle member, um, definitely check that out. If you aren't an Inner Circle member, um, this will give you a little look inside of just a little piece of what he taught about. But of course, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and sign up for the, for the Inner Circle. We'll leave links in the show notes for all of that. So, okay. So the Practicing Snowball, again, is very simple. So we'll start off by just talking about what the concept is. And then we'll go into some examples for how this works. And again, my intention for today's show isn't just to talk to you about this concept. The intention is for you to leave feeling more motivated and excited about practicing. Because ultimately, to become a better jazz musician or any musician in general, it really does require some long-term motivation, some long-term commitment to practicing. Really, practicing is the thing. Like That is the thing that we do as musicians to improve. And practicing can actually be fun, believe it or not. Like It can be a really enjoyable time. So whether you're someone who currently is enjoying your practicing or isn't enjoying your practicing, I think you're going to enjoy hearing about this and you're going to leave feeling a little bit uh, more motivated than you did before listening to the podcast. So the practice snowball is essentially the concept of the snowball effect. And maybe you gathered that already. So what is the snowball effect, right? So the idea of a snowball, right? If you, let's just say it's snowing, you grab in your hands a ball of snow 
and you roll it down a hill, right? Eventually, that ball is going to compound. Or of course, if you want to be even more efficient about it on flat ground, start rolling a snowball, right? So the more you roll that snowball across the ground, it grows in size because more snow is sticking to that ball, right? We understand how to create a snowball for those of us who are remotely familiar with winter weather. I know not everybody listening to the podcast maybe is. You don't live in a region with where it snows. But um, I think most people understand the concept of how to roll a snowball or how, how it works, right? So the idea, of course, behind the practicing snowball is the more we practice different things, the more our abilities grow. But what does that really mean, okay? So the more that we practice different concepts, the more that they stick, and I'm using that word stick on purpose, obviously, but they they stick to other things that we're actually working on, okay? So it's not just that the more we practice, the better we get, right? Because obviously we generally understand that, right? But it's the different things that we do practice intersect with other things that we're working on, right? So sometimes when we're practicing, we think of them as very separate things. So a quick example would be if I'm learning a jazz standard, like let's just say the jazz standard is Black Orpheus, which we recently studied in our Inner Circle membership. So Black Orpheus, you learn Black Orpheus and you practice it and you may work on some techniques for soloing over top of it, uh, so on and so forth. Or you're a walking bass player, a, a bass player, and you work on a walking bass line, right? So anything that you do over Black Orpheus, we might think that then going and learning a tune such as um, Sandu, which we're studying this month in our Inner Circle membership, which is a blues, you may think that that does not necessarily, the two don't relate, right? There's difference within them. Like we're thinking about them as separate entities. However, there are a lot of things from working on Black Orpheus that are going to translate over to Sandu. And again, I'll talk about what those things are in more detail in just a second, which I think is kind of what really makes this episode um, exciting. But that's just a, a basic understanding of what the practicing snowball is. Basically, the things that you're practicing, they intersect with each other. They're never separate from each other. So the better you get at one thing, the more that it spreads across to a variety of other things that you're actually working on. But why would we care about this in the first place? So I've already kind of mentioned the motivation factor, right? Because something that's super important for practicing long-term and improving long-term is obviously sustained motivation, right? So I find it very demotivating when I think about my practicing in bubbles, right? That they're separate from each other, right? That the better I get at this one thing doesn't necessarily mean I'm getting better at this other thing. When I don't see it, through the lens of the practicing snowball, I get demotivated because it can be difficult for me to see massive amounts of improvement quickly on one thing that I'm practicing, right? Because sometimes it takes a lot of time to improve on something. Like at first we notice some improvement, but then over time, of course, both because we're really close to it, right? It's hard for us to see progress when we're really close, but also because like we've already picked some of the low hanging fruit. 
it, it we don't feel that progress as quickly, right? So when we look at things separate from each other that way, it can feel demotivating, okay? Now, another thing too is knowing when to move on to the next thing that you're working on. This is something that I get asked a lot about um, both from those who listen to this podcast or my inner circle members is how do I know when to move on to the next thing? Like if I'm learning a jazz standard, how do I know when to move on? Like when, when do I know that jazz standard well enough? When am I at an acceptable level of soloing over top of it or um, working on scales? Like how do I know when I've mastered these scales enough, right? Or n- fill in your musical topic, the thing that you're working on. Like how do I know when to move on? Or, or sometimes it's like a course you're working on. How do I know when to go to the next lesson of the course, right? That's something that comes up a lot. So when we think about things through the lens of the practicing snowball, we realize that perfection is the enemy of progress that mastery isn't the actual goal here when we're working on one thing right really what we're looking for is micro progress that builds upon themselves as we keep working through different concepts because going back to the motivation side of things one thing that can be very demotivating is when you feel stuck on one thing and you're not allowing yourself to move away from it, and therefore you get tired of it and bored of it. So that's very demotivating, right? If you're really struggling with um, an ear training concept, right? Like I'm just I'm not very good at uh, learning this solo by ear, right? I only was able to get the first twelve bars, right? And so you keep banging yourself over the head to get like over this this passage that's a bunch of triplets and maybe 16th notes and it's very difficult for you to get right and you keep pushing 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 and you're not getting it very fast and before you know it like you spent like weeks just on this four bar phrase right that's really demotivating so the practicing snowball says hey look amazing we just got the first 12 bars of this but the lessons are going to keep compounding from that we learned right here when we move on to something else. And it's important to move on to something else because that's going to spur that motivation, right? So that's another reason why we should care about this, right? Is it's going to help us understand that we can move on and that we don't need to master everything. We just need to feel like we've made some sort of progress in the area and then move on to the next thing because we'll keep learning more lessons as we go along, okay? So that's why we should care about this. I mean, this is honestly, when you really think about this, um, as simple as the practicing snowball concept is, like the weight of how important it actually is to think about things this way is actually huge, is actually really, really, really big because without motivation, without that forward progress that we as humans need to see in order to feel excited about what we're doing. I mean, if we don't have that, then we have nothing, right? We don't have our ability to play the jazz solos that we've been dreaming of, right? We, we get demotivated. It's not what we want to be. So that's why this is important. Okay. So now let's go into the example. Cause to me, this is where things get more interesting and more exciting to think about. Okay. So let's actually use the example that I mentioned before of, we learned a 12 bar part of a solo. So just for argument's sake, let's just say that um, it's a blues solo. We're working on Sandu in our inner circle membership right now. So let's say you learn 12 bar of a solo. So that's um, one chorus of the blues. All right. And again, let's just pretend that like the next 
four bars, like you're stuck there, right? Like, and maybe that was even hard for you to get the 12 bars, right? Maybe that was just a challenge in and of itself because you're not used to learning solos by ear. Maybe there were some technical challenges with it. Fill in the blank. But what we have is the 12 bar solo. Now, what is the main reason that most people recommend or talk about when they say, hey, go learn a jazz solo, right? Or learn part of a jazz solo. Like what are the benefits that people mostly talk about? Um, and I'm sure right now what you're thinking is the benefit is when I learn how to play that solo, I'll have learned more jazz language so that I'll hopefully be able to play it in my own solos, right? Like that's the main thing that people say. And, you know, whether it be a teacher or you're telling yourself this, like that is often what is said about learning jazz solos. Like it's a great practice because you're going to learn more jazz language. And of course, without hearing jazz language, right, without hearing the way someone would say something, how would you know to say it back to somebody else, right? It's just the basics of a language, which essentially it is a language. Jazz is a language, right? Not to beat that cliche over the head, but that's kind of what it is, right? So Obviously, one big complaint that I hear all the time is, okay, Brent, I learned this 12-bar solo, but when I try to play the licks or the ideas of my solo, I, I forget or they don't fit or what, for whatever reason, like the work that I put in, the hard work I put in isn't paying off when it comes to actually improvising, right? Like I'm not able to bridge that gap, okay? Um, now, I've talked about that concept in plenty of other podcast episodes. But what I instead want to focus on today is what are the actual benefits outside of just learning jazz language with learning the 12 bars, especially when we're thinking about this in terms of the practice snowball, okay? Um, I, I have a seven written down here, but I'm sure there's more that I may have missed, but I think these seven kind of cover quite a bit of it, okay? So bear with me as I go through these because... This is really important stuff. So the first thing that you're benefiting from when you learn the 12 bars of the solo is technique, right? So a lot of times when we think about technique, like we're thinking about, okay, I'm a trumpet player, long tones. Um, I'm a guitar player, arpeggios. Um, I'm a piano player, right and left hand coordination. Like we think about that as technique. So we usually think about sometimes technique separately. We're like, oh, I can't improvise great jazz solos because my technique's not good enough, right? We think about it separately and we go, okay, so I need to work on technique scales, patterns, so on and so forth, right? However, when you're learning the 12 bars and you memorize it and you're able to play it back with the recording, 100% your technique on your instrument is improving. So let's just pretend for a second that all of the language you learned, it goes out the window. You never remember it, doesn't stick, don't retain any of it, right? However, you can for sure say that your technique has improved because you're going to have been moving your fingers in certain ways that you may have not before. Um, and there's some more we're going to talk about. I don't want to give away the other seven, the other six um, yet, right? But technique is being being approached even just in learning this solo without having to do fundamentals or rudiments or any of that stuff. It just, your technique is going to improve, right? Even if you had to learn that solo at 50% of the speed because it was too fast for you, it's going to improve. Even better, obviously, if like, hey, you had to start slow and then you sped it up to 100% speed, like 100% that is improving your technique, right? 
Okay, so that's one thing that we can check off the list. Okay, didn't get anything else out of it, but we definitely improved technique. Okay, okay. The second thing that you're benefiting from is ear training. You're improving your ears, and I'm sure you've heard it before, whether on this podcast or somewhere else. Like your ears are your best asset for improvisation, right? The better ears you have, the better you're going to more naturally connect ideas on your instrument and actually play them, right? So ear training is important. And I'm not even just talking right now about interval ear training or being able to sing chord tones, like all that, the fundamentals are great too, but I'm talking about applied ear training. So learning solos by ear is the best way to practice applied ear training. So you're learning this solo note by note or phrase by phrase, depends on how good you are already at learning stuff by ear. That is improving your ears. It's improving your ear to instrument connection, right? Hearing notes, finding them on your instrument, hearing notes, finding them on your instrument. The more you actually practice doing that, the better you're going to be able to get to making that ear to instrument connection, which really is one of the pillars of becoming a great jazz improviser, right? So you're working on ear training. So again, let's just pretend you, you didn't get any language at all. You, it just didn't happen, right? You, you forgot all of it, or at least you think you did, right? You think that nothing was retained. You definitely improved on your ear training by working on this, okay? So let's go to the third one. The third one is muscle memory, right? So you are the more you repeat things like repetition and the more you build the instrument to ear connection you're developing muscle memory and i also i often like to say that like improvisation it's really a combination between like hearing great ideas and then muscle memory right because improvisers are really playing things that they're fingers and their ears are familiar with. They're not coming up with brand new ideas constantly. Like they may manifest themselves in unique ways, but really that muscle memory is important. So it's likely that something that you learned in that solo is holding on to your muscle memory, that you're retaining something there that your fingers on whatever instrument you play are getting used to. So muscle memory for sure is happening there as long as, again, you learned it by ear and you're memorizing it and you're playing it along with the recording. Like that repetition in and of itself is improving your muscle memory, right? Okay, so then let's get the one that we keep talking about out of the way because it is, is definitely a huge benefit of learning a solo by ear. And that is language. But I'll I'll rephrase the language into more what I think it is, which is ideas. It's giving you more ideas. Like for sure, there's some idea that you may have grabbed from it, even if it's minor. Like, oh, hey, on my instrument, I don't normally jump that interval, right? That's just not the way I usually do things. That could be the small thing that gives you an idea, right? Maybe it is a longer phrase, like a lick. And that is an idea, or maybe it's just a a theoretical concept. It could be anything really, but you're gaining something. You're getting some sort of idea that is going to happen. I'm going to talk a little bit more about how the practicing snowball really plays into this, that particular one too, in a second, but you're gaining ideas, right? Okay. The next one is phrasing, right? So phrasing uh, is the way that you would deliver a line, the way that you're um, playing over the bar line, the way that you're, uh, you're sw- like the way you're swinging the notes or the way you're playing them straight. 
the phrasing is kind of a lot of what makes um, individual jazz musicians sound unique is like the way in which they phrase their lines or play their instrument is unique, right? So when you're learning a 12 bar solo by ear, and especially if, again, you're playing it along with the recording perfectly, you're basically improving your phrasing, right? Or you're mimicking someone else's phrasing. And that is a benefit in and of itself, right? So just by doing that, you're working on your phrasing. Um, Sometimes people ask me like, hey, um, how do I get good at playing this style of music? It's funny. Sometimes people ask me, how do I get good at playing funk music? And I'm like, I don't even teach funk music. Like I'm not even a great funk musician. However, I always have an answer for them. And that answer as annoying as it is, is you just need to like really learn funk solos and funk comping or whatever and copy it off of recordings because literally that's how they play. Like you're learning how they actually do it. And it's the same for jazz. So you're gaining phrasing. The next thing that you're gaining is time feel. You're working on your time feel. Again, if you're practicing along with a recording, you're practicing with a metronome so you can play the solo in time, you're working on your time feel and your ability to internalize time. That's a huge problem amateur musicians have is I know how to play a bunch of great things on my instrument, but my time feel isn't good. That's what leads to people getting lost really easily in solos, right? A lot of other problems come up when we don't have a good time feel. Rushing, dragging too much can really make like even amazing sounding lines sound amateur just because the time feel is not good. But you're definitely working on time feel when you're practicing along with recording, okay? Okay, the last one is also a huge benefit and this one is more psychological. So This is a sense of accomplishment. Once you have accomplished the 12 bars, like the goal you set out to do, even if you cut it short, right? You're like, hey, I've gained this. Like I just checked something off the box. And again, we talked about motivation earlier, how important that is to practicing. Like that is a real thing that you're doing that's going to propel you forward to the next thing. So That's why I often on this podcast talk about creating project goals for your jazz playing. I mean, goals are not sexy to talk about. They're not fun. Even when someone tells me to set goals, I get a little bit like, "Eh, okay, but it's a real thing. It's a psychological thing you can do for yourself to help propel you forward and to continue improving and get the results that you actually want to have, right? Okay. So it's a psychological accomplishment. So that, that was seven of them. I just mentioned there, there might be some other, um, things that you would benefit from these 12 bars. Okay. So now in comes the practicing snowball, right? So in other words, we just discovered that it's not just the main reason we talk about learning the jazz solo that that's helped us out here. It actually helped us out in seven different arenas of our musicianship. And pretty much every single one of those, again, just to recap what they were, technique, ear training, muscle memory, language or ideas, phrasing, time feel, and the psychological sense of accomplishment, right? Pretty much all of those musical concepts are needed in something else you're about to do, okay? I'll say that one more time for dramatic emphasis. (laughs) Pretty much all of the seven things I just listed are needed in the next task that you're about to take on musically. So prove it to me. I'll give you an example. So let's say the next thing that we want to do is we want to learn, 
What's the Jazz Standard we recently, we worked on giant, believe it or not, we worked on giant steps in our Inner Circle membership recently. Um, uh, the most challenging song, obviously, that we've ever worked on in, in our membership. But let's talk about that, right? So let's say we did learn this 12-bar blues solo. What does it have to do anything with improvising better over top of giant steps, right? Well, for giant steps, you need technique, right? 100% you need technique. For giant steps, you need ear training. You need your ears to be better because, I mean, we're going through a lot of different keys really quickly. Um, muscle memory is going to be really helpful for giant steps, right? Because especially like the way Coltrane actually goes through those changes, he does a lot of like patternistic and pentatonic playing. So that's helpful. That's muscle memory right there. That's not just hearing ideas. That's like playing patterns. Um, language is going to be important, right? Especially the five, one language, uh, phrasing is going to be important because it's always important whenever we're soloing or playing a melody time feel is going to be of paramount importance because we need to be able to feel the time going by, uh, especially with those crazy changes. And then the psychological sense of accomplishment, right? Has brought us to the point where we're now going to try to tackle giant steps, right? And if we accomplish giant steps, we're going to move on to the next thing. So, okay, great. So the practicing snowball, we've, we've transitioned from that over to I'm learning giant steps, right? Um, and, and I'm just using giant steps in general. Like it could be something specific about giant steps, but I actually really talked about this to our inner circle members when we did study giant steps, because some people were like, Hey, why are we studying giant steps? Like, seriously, like it's not even called at jam sessions very often, which is kind of mostly what we focus on. We focus on tunes that people actually play. Um, giant steps isn't really like a tune that people are often playing or calling it's sometimes, but you know, not all the time. So why would we even work on that? That's because the lessons that we learn through giant steps, 100% are going to translate to the next jazz standard we learn, right? Because giant steps, for example, it's a study of five, one relationships. That's really mostly what giant steps is five to one chord relationships. So five to one chord relationships, not only is the most important chord progression in all of jazz, it's the most important chord progression in all of music, right? Five to one. It goes back, way back, way back. Five to one relationships are happening. So, okay. So that's part of the practicing snowball, right? Like we learned giant steps. We got better to some degree at five to one relationships. So then when we learn the next jazz standard, we're better at five to one relationships and the snowball continues, right? So this is exciting. I want you to just step back for a second and think about it. Like this is exciting because we don't always have to think to ourselves in an isolated bubble of like, I learned this jazz, this 12 bar jazz solo, but I don't feel like my jazz improv is any better today than it was yesterday, right? It may feel that way again, because the the manifestation hasn't happened yet. But Really, in reality, we've improved upon at least seven other different things that will help us improve on our next thing, right? That's a really important psychological shift, a really important different way of thinking about it, right? Now, I mentioned that we were going to talk about language a little bit, and the, the practice snowball with language, right? Because that's the main reason people learn jazz solos by ear, is to gain language or ideas, right? Again, the criticism often is, well, why do I do it? Because I didn't, my, my solos aren't any better, right? Like the ideas aren't flowing out, even though I spent 
all this time and effort working on this solo and like hours practicing, getting it right, learning it note by note, so on and so forth, right? But I, I mentioned before, like it's better to think about it as I gained an idea, right? So what's likely is if you heard a, a, a specific concept that happened, like, an, like I mentioned before, an intervallic movement that you weren't used to or a something that flowed together organically, like an altered idea over top of a five chord. It could be anything, right? It could be a rhythmic idea, something that you you got that's not coming out and you're playing today. But what happens is the next time you hear it in a recording, the next time you learn a similar idea from a solo that you're working on, the next time you sit down to compose your own solo, it can be magical how all of a sudden that concept that was foreign to you before is now coming to the forefront of your consciousness, right? So that's the practicing snowball. It's like today my solos might not be better, but over time the exposure to the same thing will. Okay, so for example, um, I don't remember exactly what the statistic is about advertising, but it's something to the degree of like someone has to listen to an ad a hundred times, let's just say that for the sake of argument, a hundred times, I definitely know it's a lot of times in order to end up taking action and purchasing a product or whatever the advertiser is asking you to do, right? So in other words, exposure. Um, for those of us in the United States, you're probably been inundated with Geico ads, right? There's like Geico spends so much money. They're an insurance company. Geico spends so much money on advertisement and clever ads to get your attention. Like it's unbelievable how much they spend on ads, right? And the reason they do that is because they want you to be so familiar with their brand and their services that eventually you you, you purchase their product, right? Their insurance, right? So sometimes it does take us a lot of different times to hear something before it comes into fruition, right? But the only way that we get there is by hearing it again in a slightly different context, right? Kind of like Geico does it. Like They're selling the same thing. It's insurance, different kinds of insurance, but it's insurance. And they give you a different commercial, but it's still about selling you insurance, right? So it's the same concept when it comes to this. Like it's the practicing snowball. You go to the next jazz standard, that next jazz standard has some lessons there that carry on to the next jazz standard, that carry on to the next jazz standard, that carry on to the next jazz standard. And it just keeps growing from there and improving and refining. And I hear this all the time in our inner circle because I hear uh, our some of our members who have been with us for a very long time who learn a new jazz standard a month, which is the main thing we do. And you hear like even just tiny micro improvements happening, right? It's like, oh, your time feel is a lot better today than it was a year ago. <laughs> Right. And that's huge because musically speaking, um, we're constantly trying to fine tune to sound better. And it, the, the more we fine tune, the more things get unlocked in our jazz playing. Right. Sometimes it's actually the little glitches or the holes in our playing that are holding us back from getting to the next level. Right. So that's why all of this is important. So to summarize all of this, the practicing snowball is an exciting and encouraging thing because it says that everything that we are practicing is compounding its results over everything else that we're practicing. So practice compounds, practice compounds, practice improvement and compounds on improvement. Okay. And also hopefully you learned today that there is a lot more benefits 
when you study a concept than simply just one thing that you probably are originally practicing that thing for. Okay. So what I encourage you to do is think about what you're practicing right now and think about what concepts are actually being improved upon there and how are those compounding over the next things that you have planned out to practice. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hope that you found this helpful today. Hope you found this encouraging. Remember to take action. Action is the most important thing that you can do listening to this podcast. It's great to listen to it. It's great to hear me talk week after week, but without taking some definitive action, right, we're missing out on something really big that we could be gaining from um, even just this free resource here, right? Um, But of course, if you need help taking action, that's what we do in our LJS Inner Circle membership. So be sure to check us out at LJS innercircle.com but also we have all that in the show notes whether you're on our website or listening to your podcast app just check the show notes below this episode and there's links to that as well all right we're coming out with another great episode of the podcast very soon so make sure you're subscribed and we'll see you back then cheers thanks for listening to the ljs podcast brought to you by learnjazzstandards.com Subscribe to the series on iTunes and don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.